the Bible is, is diverse, and it's filled with a lot of different kinds of literature. Uh, last week, we talked about the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, a few months ago, if you'll remember, we talked about Moses going up on the mountain to receive the law and how he went into the presence of God and there was all kind of sapphires and throne rooms and all that kind of stuff like that. At Easter, we talked about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So sometimes the Bible soars to like unimaginable heights of glory. Some passages boggle the mind. And there's some passages that I think we probably won't completely understand until we see Jesus face to face. But then there are a whole lot of other sections that just aren't very deep. And that's okay. Some of the Bible is extremely practical. So if you've ever tried in your yearly Bible reading plan to push through like Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you will find some very practical instructions like how to dig a latrine. When you build a new house, make a fence around the roof of your house so that nobody will fall off of it. Don't plow with an ox and a donkey together. And a lot of Christians feel like when they read stuff like that, that they could like, should like find deeper meaning, right? Like, okay, well, the, the top of the house represents life and the steps on the way up represent the Ten Commandments and the fence represents like the Holy Spirit. And if you fall off, the, 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 the fence, that the, the roof, that means that you've fallen into sin. And I don't think it means that. I think it just means build a fence on the top of your roof so nobody will fall off. I had a professor actually in uh, seminary. So, you know, like the, the nails in the tabernacle, you know, and he would say, those nails in the tabernacle represent the nails that were driven into Christ's hands. And he would always say, no, sometimes the nails are just there to like hold up the walls. That's what they're there for. All right. So I think sometimes we feel like we should find deeper meanings in some of these passages, um, but we don't want to make the text say something that it doesn't say. And so we've arrived at a text today. It's very simple. Uh, It's very easy to understand. It's a helpful passage. It's a lot of common sense. And in many ways, it just helps us guard against temptation. Um, So we're in this passage about giving, this section of scripture about giving. So let me read it. Uh, I think you'll see. As, as soon as I get started here, it's, just, it's really just a section about how we can be accountable uh, with the money that we receive. Uh, so beginning in verse 16, but thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus, the same earnest care I have for you, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace, which is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that it is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. And with them, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So we give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. 
All right, so this is a very practical section. So up to this point, we've been talking about people who um, are the givers, right? And we talked about the Macedonians, and we talked about how they were motivated by grace and how they gave in spite of their deep poverty and how they had overflowing joy, joy and, sacrif- and they were sacrificial. We talked about how they gave voluntarily and deliberately so that they were looking for opportunities to give. Paul even seems to have tried to have stopped them from giving, but that was to no avail, and how their giving flowed out of their commitment to Christ and to one another. And then last week we saw that Paul was saying, you need to persevere in that gift. You need to persevere in that commitment. What you've said you would do, even, even as you're languishing in this sort of difficulty and this, this hard spot in your life, don't let your zeal to do the right thing a year ago be hampered by the troubles that you're having right now. So that's all the heart of the giver. So today we're going to talk about the heart of the collector. All right, we're going to talk about the church as we think about the proper collection and distribution of funds. And it's nothing deep, and it's nothing spiritual, and it really just comes down to the need to be above board and have accountability. And that's, that's really what we're going to learn here, okay? All right, so just, just to catch you up, real quick, we've been talking about this offering, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4, Paul, way back then, they agreed that they were going to take this offering for the poor church in Jerusalem, and we know that he was collecting it from the many, many different churches where he was going around the Mediterranean. Now, up to this point, he had not delivered that offering to Jerusalem, so this is what's interesting. This would have been a pile of money, okay? There has been now a lot, a full year later, remember, the Macedonians are being super generous, the Corinthians have been generous, He's taking up this offering of all the churches he's going. So there's been this large sum of money that has been collected, and it has to be overseen. All right? And it's possible that the Corinthians had questions. Maybe they were like, all right, this is a lot of money we've got here. What's happening with this money? How is this money going to be handled? And I I think one of the biggest things that we learn here is that Paul is not annoyed by this question. Paul is not like, how dare you? Why are you questioning me? And I think that's one of the big obvious points we get from this text. Paul does not say, you need to trust me. He doesn't say, I'm an apostle appointed by Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, hey guys, I'm going home and writing the Bible in the afternoons. After I'm done ministering to you guys, I'm writing the Bible. Why don't you trust me? He doesn't say any of that. No, he's actually anxious to assure them that steps are being taken that... This collection is being responsibly received with the highest level of integrity. Why? Because in verse 21, we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And let me tell you, this couldn't be more relevant than right now. Last week while we were in Chicago, uh, I drove past a a mega church up there. It's a well-known church. It's a church that um, we know many people who go to. Um, And the entire board of elders and the pastor just resigned uh, because of years of financial irregularities there. And many people in the community have watched that unfold. And it's it's really it's it's been a a it's tarnished the name of Christ as a result. The interesting thing about it is, as we were talking to our friends and they don't go to that church, but many of them would say a lot of people knew that there was stuff going on. Like outside the community, community, a lot of people knew there was stuff going on for years and they could never understand why nobody addressed it, all right? So this is, this is very relevant. It goes on all over sort of Christendom, you know, as it were, 
today. And, and we want to know that God has shown us how we can avoid that, tr- that trouble and that the Bible warns us again and again about being, uh, not being careful with money. All right, so just four simple points. I hesitate to say this because I feel like anytime anybody says this preaching, that what happens is everybody, I, so here's the thing. I, I think it's going to be a short message, okay? I always hesitate to say that because if you say, it's kind of like when somebody's preaching and they say, okay, to conclude, and then they go on for like 30 more minutes, right? And you're like, wait a second. You said you were going to conclude 30 minutes ago. So I, I hesitate to say that so that you're not all like packing up at 15 minutes. But I really do think um, we've just got four easy points to look at this morning and it won't take us very long, all right? Verse 16, but thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus, the same earnest care I have for you, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Here, here's the point that I think we need to learn from this, and that's this. Major distributions of funds as a church, okay? Like, so we're talking about corporately here, shouldn't be the idea of one person, all right? It shouldn't be. It should be a, a corporate decision. It should be a decision made out of plurality. So back in verse 6, he says, accordingly, we urged Titus that as he started, so he should complete among you the act of grace. So it's, it's important for us to note, and even from the passage there in verse 16, that Titus is just as enthusiastic about this collection as Paul is. All right? And, and very simply, what this means is this. The church isn't a place where one person can decide to just collect funds or grant funds. All right? You remember, I, I looked it up. I remembered it. Remember when Oprah gave away the cars? You remember that? And like she, they, everybody opened, I looked, you can look it up later. It's actually a pretty cool video. But you know, like she, um, she opens, she has everybody open the box and she's like, everybody has a box. And she's like, there's a key. If there's a key in your box, you get a car. And she's implying that there's one, one key. And so they open the box and there's all these ladies and they all, apparently they, they searched for people who needed cars. And uh, there's all these ladies and they open, everybody had a key. And she goes around and Oprah goes, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. Everybody gets a car. You know, it's a really cool video, all right? <laughs> the point is, there should be nobody in the church who's, like, going around being like, hey, you get money, and you get money, and you get money, and you get money, and we're just, we're just going to distribute. Like, that, that's not the way this works. There's not one person who decides to uh, collect. There's no dictator who's like, I'm going to take money from you, and then we are going to redistribute it over here. That's not the way it works, all right? These kinds of decisions must be made in plurality, and with others in the church. So God's people get together and we are led by the spirit to decide to bless others. All right. And it also means this. It means nobody should ever stand up here in this. You know, this is this is a position of authority in as much as when I say or Matt says or anybody else says, thus saith the Lord. It's, it's coming from this. Right. That we are saying this is our authority. OK. So nobody, should, nobody has the authority to just sort of stand in this place that is occupied by this book and say, I have decided to use our money to do this, right? There's no single person here who has that authority. It's a decision that is made by a plurality of leaders and supported by the whole, uh, by, by the whole congregation. And, and as I see it, there's really two pitfalls there. The one would be that the leader would have um, too much authority to spend on his own. And then the other would be that the leader would begin to think that it's actually his money to give. You know, as if, as if there's any one person who has the ability to bestow that. So think about this. For Paul's, for Paul's sake, Jerusalem is his home. He's worked there. He has 
friends there. He knows undoubtedly even people within the Jerusalem church there. And so you can see that there might be questions about Paul's motivation. Why, Paul, why are you so anxious to give money to Jerusalem? What's going on here? Are you just taking care of your friends? Are you trying to curry favor with the leaders in Jerusalem? And so it's important that Titus and two other people who are Gentiles, by the way, they're both from the churches in Macedonia and, and Corinth, that they're saying, no, we agree. We agree that this is a good project for the church to undertake. So I think the church should be generous, but the church should also be wise. Sometimes there's extra information you need. I, I've been in situations where that has been like, we need to give this person this money. Okay, let's talk about it. Well, wait, here's something else we should consider about that situation. Oh, yeah, that, that changes things. All right. So that kind of discussion um, is very helpful. So, so just to be clear, we're talking about the funds that we as Hope Bible Church collect. This is not, you know, it's not like if you decide to give something to somebody, you don't have to come talk to somebody else. Like you and your family can decide. But when we're talking about the funds that we collect as Hope Bible Church, we are going to gather and think about those things and pray about those things and be committed to doing those things as a church. By the way, there is biblical precedent for bringing money to the leaders of the church and then trusting them to know how to distribute that according to the needs. So in Acts, it says in Acts 4, there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. All right, so there is principle for people saying, we're gonna give this money and we're going to trust that you know about needs that we don't know about. All right. So that that is a thing. OK. Um, so in this case, the money has been given and Titus and Paul and these other two men are distributing it according to the need. All right. Number two, collections should be received with accountability. All right. So as far as I can tell, there is a three man team that Paul has put together to handle this money. All right. So there's obviously Titus. Right. And then he says in verse 17, with him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for the preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. All right. So there's another brother and you get the feeling that all these people that they're like, oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then there's a third guy. Uh, look at verse 22. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. All right? So, again, the Corinthians know who this guy is. 2,000 later, three years later, we don't know who he is, but he's somebody that the Corinthians would have been like, oh, yeah, that guy too. Okay. Titus. That guy and that guy. That makes sense. That's, that makes sense to be the people who would carry this. And so the principle here is, is also easy, right? Entrust the money to men everyone trusts. So we've got this guy. We've got this guy. We've got this guy. You guys all know him. You guys all trust him. And you get the distinct sense that the, the, the corporate group together would have been like, yeah, that, that sounds about right to us. All right. Any Christian leader in any church or ministry or organization, I would say, who resists this type of accountability 
really shouldn't be trusted. All right? There's just no reason to trust that person. So even in a small church like Hope, we are handling, we're handling more money than most of us normally would handle. Right? There's, just, there's more money that we have here than we would have as individuals. And so the temptation to misuse that for anybody should not be underestimated. And I, I've seen the sins in this area often start innocent. Okay, so it often starts with one step that leads to another step that leads to another step. So like um, sometimes it's easy to just say we are using this money for good things, um, but not taking the proper steps. Right. So so I know that this I know that this money would be would be good to be used for this purpose. And so certainly nobody would would mind if I spent this money right here in this way. So there's this present need. Let's just let's just speak very practically. Here's a present need and there's cash in the offering plate so I'm just going to take that cash and give it to that person and that's, that's, not, that's not an appropriate way to do things even, even if you think if they're like, and, and you know I, I was even thinking about this with text messaging and emails all the different, it, it is so easy to communicate these days and to leave a little paper trail that we would just be foolish to, to tolerate anything like that like, because it starts small and then it starts getting bigger and bigger right? another thing, um, another time it's, it's just it's just simple carelessness, not taking the time to do things right. So we have a system at Hope for spending money. We have a budget. We have uh, the things that we need to get congregation approval for if we spend certain amounts of money or purchase certain types of things. And it's, it's really important that those systems be followed, right? So we have a budget. We have bylaws. We, we want to have a, 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 a system of policies and procedures. And so we all agree, like we've talked about, that we're going to operate by those systems, right? And, and nobody has the authority to, to change that system because we, they would be operating outside of the agreement that we've made together, all right? Maybe assumptions would be made. Uh, I, know, I, know th- I just know this will be fine. Um, and then finally, just sometimes just a simple lack of, of acknowledgement of the capacity for, for men's heart and women's hearts to, to act sinfully, you know, and this is huge in Savannah, you know, the sort of good old boy, oh, he's, he's a good guy, we can, we can trust that guy, and uh, it's, it's just really important uh, that we follow the system of accountability no matter who it is. Paul says in verse 20, we take this course so that no one should blame us about the generous gift that is being administered by us. So we have four men on our financial team right now. It's not set in stone. We've got David Stewart and Tyler and Rad and Randy Pierce. Um, you will see these men a lot of times in the back. One of these men counting the money uh, each week. They take pictures of the checks. They note the amount of cash. All of that is communicated. Some of you may be asked on occasion to count with them so that we never have one person counting. All right. We just want multiple eyes on that situation. Um, and remember, we think of all these guys as godly guys, right? I mean, and, and any woman who would be counting as well, it's certainly not a, a, a responsibility for only males. We, godly people. So the fact that we want two pairs of eyes on that is not a reflection of their character. It's a, it's a reflection of what we know about, about temptation. Um, it's also true this. These kinds of systems can sometimes seem awkward, right? And a little bit frustrating, maybe a nuisance, but they're there for our own good. 
And, and nobody is trying to complicate things unnecessarily. And by the way, if anybody is here like, hey, I've done this before. This, I see how you're doing this. That seems really complicated. Here's a simpler way. Bring it. Like, I mean, you know, like we are, we are all for simplification um, as long as it remains uh, up front and, and out in the open. All right, number three. Collections should be handled honorably. Verse 21. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Very simply, we should care about how things look. All right? If you ever hear a leader say, I don't care what other people think. Or another one is, my conscience is clear before the Lord. Especially if it involves money, be suspicious. And if it looks suspicious, no matter the intentions, we're running the risk of not being above reproach. Okay? So we don't want to do anything that even looks suspicious. So things, things that might look suspicious, that would not be honorable, they wouldn't necessarily be sinful, but they would, they would cause questions. Might be nepotism, uh, appointing family members to be together in positions that involve money. Samuel, Samuel made this mistake. Samuel, okay? First Samuel 8, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second was Abijah. They served him at Beersheba, but his, sins did, uh, his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel, and they said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to rule over us. And we all know how that ended. All right, so even, even the best, our heroes of the faith, right? The Bible heroes were susceptible to, to these kinds of things. Um, conflict of interest, any, if, if any person is in a position of making a decision and has the capacity to be able to influence how that money is used for his own benefit or for the benefits of his friends and family, right? It just, it's, it's unwise. It brings us into suspicion. Here's one, and, and I think, you know, Quick, name your blind spot, right? Um, I, I, we don't know what our blind spots are. I, I think this might be one for our generation, and it is this, overflowing bank accounts, it, particularly in ministry. All right, let me explain. Something else that I think looks fishy and is becoming more and more common in churches and nonprofits is to have vast stockpiles of money, okay, and, and I'm not saying that a, a, a ministry shouldn't budget for their needs and uh, keep their money on hand for operating costs. But when you leave large amounts of money just there, then you leave the temptation to distribute that money in ways that may or may not be, be right. All right. Um, so there are so many needs. Why would we sit on large piles of money? And I actually think this is kind of what Paul is getting at in that previous section there where he's like, trust God and give. Like, we don't need to save hundreds of thousands of dollars at Hope Bible Church for a rainy day. Like, we can be using that money to, for the things that God has called us to use it for in the world, right? And so if people are going to entrust us with money to support ministry, if, if we are all contributing together as Hope Bible Church and we're saying we want this money to go to ministry, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want my money to just sit there and not do anything. Right? I, I wanted to help people. I wanted to, to move the, the ministry forward. So again, just like we say as individuals, let's as a church have it be our policy. We want to we give it away and we want to trust God to provide for us. Um, I know a pastor, he's out of ministry now. 
He liked to give lavish gifts to friends and fellow elders. He gave a friend a car. He gave one of his elders a Rolex as a um, thank you from the church after a certain number of years of service. I think when you have unlimited stores of money, you open the door for, for things like that. That's, you know, it's an expensive watch. Yeah, but we got, we got plenty of money and let's, let's, just, let's just reward that guy. And, you know, let's just, let's just make it so we don't have the opportunity to do things like that. And then finally, lack of transparency. If you ever hear the words, you don't need to know from anybody here at Hope, you run the other way, you know, like go or confront or something. All right. Um, at that same megachurch in Chicago, one of the big questions for years was how much does the senior pastor make? Because nobody ever knew. Nobody ever knew. And he, nobody in the church knew how much he made, which is crazy. Um, so full disclosure means full disclosure. How we're spending our money together means full disclosure. And and I'll just be honest. If Matt or I are embarrassed to tell you how much we make, then we're making too much, right? Like, we should be in full agreement for how much you are giving to support the full-time ministers and even the part-time ministers here at at Hope Bible Church. So these are all, these are examples of things. They're not necessarily sinful. They're not necessarily wicked, but they're suspicious. And they bring... The, the, the ministry of the church, they, we're not above reproach when we operate like that. All right, finally, he closes off and he says, collections are to be motivated by love. And this really sort of, sort of closes off the whole chapter. Verse 24, so give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. So I was thinking about that this this morning. Why do we even, why do we even collect money from the church? together you know is it so we can have nice things you know like i've been walking around i'm like huh, this is a nice place like can we have a nice place can we have nice offices and and a, a gym like is that is that why we collect money do we collect money out of fear you know because like i don't want the church to go under i want to make sure i'm going to get a paycheck you know and that for me huh, that's that's speaking my language right like i want to and we want to have money so that we can we can keep living um, evidence of success is this why we, you know, because some, some churches, oh, God is really blessing. How do we know that? Well, they have a lot of money. And is, that, is that really why we collect money? Paul ends this section by saying to the Corinthians, you give as an evidence of your love. And apparently he's been going around boasting about the generosity of the Corinthians. And he's like, this is kind of, kind of a lot. He's like, prove my boasting true. Like I've been telling everybody. This is a, Corinth is a giving, generous church. Y'all prove my boasting true. Don't, don't make me a liar. So, so we need certain things. We do need to support full-time ministers. We need to have a place to gather. Right now, we're doing that on the cheap, big time. Uh, you, you have no idea uh, that we're, we are not paying much. Um, of course, we don't get to be there every week either, so you get what you pay for. Um, we, we, once we do have a regular place to meet... Uh, We need to keep the lights on and the water flowing and stuff like that, right? So those are basics. Um, But uh, one of the big concerns, frankly, even for things that we support, is how much of the money is going to operating costs, you know? Like even in nonprofits and stuff that we support, like how much is the CEO and the high-level staff making? How much are they building up storehouses? How much goes to nice facilities, all right? So if you're giving to a ministry where over half of what they're receiving is going to operating costs, 
That's a red flag, frankly. You know, the goal of ministry is not to just pad our pockets and have nicer places to meet. The goal of ministry is love. The goal of giving is love, right? So I want us to commit at Hope to keep those operating expenses to a minimum so that we can be a generous church that contributes together to the needs here in Savannah and around the world. I I want to be able to give to poor, to, to the orphans, to the widows. We want to be able to give to ministry here in this town. We want to be able to start churches. We want to be able to give to missionaries. I would love it if Hope Bible Church is just a conduit for funds to be distributed to people's needs both here and abroad. And, and, and we can show our generosity and our love for Christ by being a generous church. And he's our great example. So in light of that, I got this in God's providence. I got this letter uh, this week. And it's addressed to Hope Bible Church. So I'm not going to hide it to myself. But it has a, a person from Papua New Guinea on the front of it. So you can know where this is going. So I, I thought this was, this is such a cool way to conclude uh, our time together this morning in light of this ever so practical uh, passage that we've been looking at. Um, so this is from the Burgesses who were here uh, earlier in the year. So they said this, Dear Hope Bible Church, uh, we wanted to say a huge underline. Thank you for your partnership with our ministry in Papua New Guinea. Y'all brought us up here to, y'all brought us up to our monthly required budget. And because of your monthly support, we are able to return to PNG in July. You have blown us away with your generosity, but also just your genuine care and interest in our lives and ministry. You have a rare and special church, and we really do feel honored to be a part of it. In, through, and for him alone, Fran and Janice. Burgess. So, man, that, that, that's what I want us to be known for when it comes to generosity and giving. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. And, like, I hope that gets you excited. Uh, and I hope that that makes you say, yeah, let's, let's find more places to give our money away. Let's, let's not sit on it. Let's, let's consider what we need and be wise and budget. And then let's give the rest of it away and, and see God use that and store up treasures in heaven. And uh, I think in, in a thousand years, none of us will be saying, um, boy, we, we should have purchased that treadmill or whatever. <laughs> All right, let me pray. And then let's, uh, let's close this on. Father, uh, I do pray that you would give us mercy and that you would allow us to be a, a giving church. Father, help us to keep these things in mind um, as we continue to build this church. And uh, Lord, I just I ask that you would uh, help us to trust you in all things and especially in our money. Um, We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.